0: Hello everyone, here is Daniel Budai with a new episode of our e-commerce show and today I'm here with Russ Alexey or Alexeyev, Um, sorry for butchering your name.
1: (laughs) No, you got it.
0: Yeah, so Russ is here who is only 23 but he's been in business for more than 11 years and he will share his story today. But what his company does, uh, Disco, in the US they help uh, influencers to launch their own uh, clothing brands and, and product lines, and uh, they focus on the product development and the fulfillment side of it. So today it will be less about marketing, but more about uh, influencers, how they can launch their own products, how they do operations. So all of these are coming today. But first of all, Russ, how are you today?
1: I'm good. How are you, Daniel? Thanks for having me on. appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm doing great. I'm in Europe and we have a lovely sunny day. I don't know, in the U.S., I think it's more like, more like freezing there now, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's cold, but, you know, we're getting some sun, so.
0: Yeah, nice. So let's start with your story. Um, before this recording, you started telling me that you started when you were, like, 13, 12. And uh, honestly, I, I'm 31, and I started, like, six years ago, so much later than you. And I always loved those folks, those guys who started in their early teenage years. I even admire I even admire them uh, to a certain level. I have a few friends uh, who have a similar story here in Europe and uh, what what's your story? so how did you start back then?
1: Yeah, so when I was twelve thirteen I was a big skateboarder. I really loved skateboarding. I was at the skate park you know every day um, but I, I I had a big group of friends at that skate park, but I was never the best one. I was never you know, doing all the coolest tricks and, and making people say, wow. So I kind of, you know, I've always had a, a passion for leadership. I've always had like a inclination to do something cool, to kind of lead a group, to to kind of seek an opportunity in everything I do. And so um, I got together with a bunch of my friends and we started, you know, making videos of ourselves skateboarding and, and riding bikes and, and things like that. What we would do is take those videos and sell them online and DVD copies. Uh, We started like a little skate group out of it, like a little skate brand. Um, You know, obviously we were 12, so we sold, what, maybe 10 DVDs, 10 10 videos of ourselves skateboarding. And then we started getting into the apparel side of things. So I would have my mom drive me after school to the local screen printing shop. We'd get, you know, 12 t-shirts printed and try to sell you know those t-shirts and just kind of you know over time the business adapted the business grew and it and it molded you know i grew i got a little bit older and when i was about 14 15 um i met hunter who's kind of my founder co-founder and partner in a lot of my business ventures hunter and i decided to kind of go full-time down the clothing route so we started making clothing um you know we did custom cut and sew pieces so We would actually produce stuff overseas in Pakistan, China. Um, and then we also did stuff within the United States. So we did a lot of custom clothing in the United States and we really loved the aspect of, you know, supporting our own communities that we're growing up in, um, you know, kind of working in the communities that, that we grew up in essentially. So we started doing a lot of our manufacturing fulfillment, everything clothing brand related in the United States. And basically, what that helped us see and helped us get an opportunity to is the fact that we now had connections all across the United States with manufacturers, with blank T-shirt wholesale providers, with screen printers, embroidery, uh, embroidery services, um, you know, third-party logistics companies, marketing companies, and so you know one of the things that we struggled with even though we had such a wide network of operations and such a big i guess um positioning in the market you know we we did have a pretty large following on the east coast is it was super super hard to convert leads into customers and so the business kind of again went into uh you know we hit a little wall um, we were trying to maybe get into retail uh, explore retail a little bit and over time you know, the business kind of molded again when COVID came around. We said, Hey, you know what? We have so many connections in the influencer space, in the branding space, in the manufacturing fulfillment space. Why don't we just kind of merge those two together? Why don't we reach out to all the influencers and celebrities that we know and work with and say, Hey, do you guys want to start clothing lines? Because we can help you. We can help you do it for cheap. We can help you do step A to step C from starting your website to developing your whole entire product line all the way to fulfilling directly to your customers. And that's kind of what brings us to today. Um, you know, We're a one-stop shop, B2B uh, apparel manufacturing and fulfillment service. So you know, customers come to us for just designs. They say, hey, I'm out of designs, but I have a huge client base and, and I just need to give them something. I need to make some kind of t-shirts for them to sell. And they'll come to us and we'll do a lot of design consultation and then there's clients who come to us and say, hey, listen, I have no idea what I'm doing. I know I can make money because I have a brand, but I have no mm-hmm. idea what to do. And we'll just do step A to step C, build their website, develop their product line, run it by them. Everything looks good. Yes, we go into production and fulfillment. So that's kind of the story, how it developed over time and, and where we are today.
0: Yeah. So just for a moment uh, to go back to the age thing. So do you think it was uh, it was... Beneficial for you, it was an advantage that you started that early because you said you are 23 now, but you already have a huge network. Maybe other guys they would have it by the age of 40. So,
1: yeah, think it's, it's something
0: that it was people should do.
1: Both beneficial and stunting to growth a little bit to some extent. So beneficial because you, you know, yes, I'm only 23 and I have a lot of opportunity in front of me, um, but also you know, it, it was really difficult to to kind of grow that. So I had to sacrifice a lot of things like, like my social life. You know, um, mm-hmm. I was at one point working a full time job in school and running this business on the side, all at the same time while trying to juggle a social life. But you know, I was in college, it's really, really hard to do. Uh, and so I, I definitely, you know, lost a lot of friends that I wish I you know didn't have to cut ties with and things like that it's just you know time management organization these are just I guess things you learn and so I guess to some extent I'm glad that I learned it now and not later down the road when I want to start a family and things like that but yeah I I would say it was definitely I I see the positive in it but also kind of regret a little bit that that I didn't have you know more time to to I guess be a college kid if that makes sense Yeah,
0: yeah yeah pros and cons yeah. So back to your business and the clients that you have. So who is a who is a typical client? They they usually let's say they are influencers and they just realize oh actually I'm an influencer I have a following let's monetize it and they have no idea how or actually they rather start building this purposefully from day one. What's who is. The typical, yeah,
1: clients. I uh, we don't get too many too many brands or influencers who are, um, you know, starting from day one. The ones that we do, they really start on a smaller scale. Um, mm-hmm. We work with a couple of NFT collections, so some of the really big NFT collections. Um, they're NDA'd, so I can't disclose the name, but I'm sure you, you've heard of them if you follow NFTs. I mean, they already have a huge base you know a huge following base they've got these discord communities and whatnot Um, and so a lot of our clients kind of look like that they already have a, a base or a following of some sort they just maybe never expanded into the apparel space so we kind of help them expand into that apparel space given that you know they already have a client base so it's you know they're starting with some kind of capital really that's that's kind of the um, I guess the the motivating factor there is a lot of our clients already start with some kind of base, some kind of, you know, they they have a a base of leads and we're kind of that help in converting those leads to customers through apparel offering apparel as a product.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you have so you have them only with upper air, right? Clothing, nothing else, no mugs or or whatever.
1: Yeah, so we do have, we do carry like promotional products, mugs, pens, mm-hmm. golf balls, cases, mm-hmm. phone cases, things like that. Um, most of our focus is in the apparel for sure, you know, definitely wearables. So t-shirts, hoodies, sweatpants, shorts, flip-flops, you know, everything on on that line. But we do offer promotional products as well. And we're currently expanding our product offering to try to get a little bit more into the um you know, merch space. So maybe bags, backpacks, water bottles. You know, we've had a client ask us for a custom pinball machines to place in their stores. Okay. And you know me, I, I mean, I come from an apparel background. You know, excuse my language. Where the hell do I get a uh, uh, you know pinball machines from? So it's pretty cool. You, you get to kind of expand your network. Try to uh, you know look for you know those opportunities to to grow and to see know what kind of demand there is for for promotional products for clothing and for all this you know random merchant accessories so we're, we're definitely expanding into that space but I, I would say that primarily the focus has been and probably will be in in the wearables like the custom apparel
0: makes sense and i guess that's the biggest niche when it comes to we can call it merch or or influencer products let's yeah. say yeah
1: Absolutely. I'm sure you've heard the, the slogan, a t-shirt's a walking billboard. Um, you know, yeah. these influencers, that's, that's how they make a lot of money. I would say a yeah. lot of money for influencers. I'm, I don't know the statistic exactly. I, I think it's around 30% that their merch revenue comes from. And mm-hmm. then the rest is, you know, probably partnerships with, uh, you know, brand deals, sponsorships, things like that. And so if you can develop the merch side of, of your business as a brand, as an influencer, there's really a lot of possibility.
0: Yeah, it's a bit similar to, you know, sports where they buy the jerseys, the people. And uh, I could hear stories when Ronaldo or Messi, they transferred to their new teams. Then uh, it cost the team hundreds of millions of euros or dollars. and uh, But, you know, just the jerseys will make the same amount of money or even more. Yeah,
1: and I, so, I, I saw it, it online, actually, when, you know, before Ronaldo transferred to, to the new team, the new team yeah. was, you know, there was there was fans of the new team making jerseys, making Ronaldo jerseys before the actual team started making Ronaldo jerseys. So.
0: Wow! Yeah, people, people are, uh, people are smart. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, so let's talk about the nitty-gritty here. So how the operations work. Uh, let's say I'm an influencer. I have a YouTube channel. And actually, I have just not as many subscribers yet. And uh, I want to have uh, t-shirts for my followers. So how would it look like a cooperation between us?
1: Yeah, so we get a lot of clients exactly like that. They have a YouTube channel. They're growing on YouTube. Maybe they just hit you know 100,000, 200,000 subscribers, whatever. And they say, hey, you know... Maybe we should start selling merch. It's another revenue stream. It's something to give back to our subscribers. And so they come to us. And a lot of times where people start is, you know, they don't have a sense of direction as far as what yeah. to begin with. And that's kind of where we'll come in as a, as a consulting service or a consulting agency in that merch space. So um, for example, you'll come in and say, hey, I want to sell t-shirts and hoodies and, you know, maybe what else can you guys offer? And so um, our team gets to work. We have a team of designers and, and what they'll do for clients like, like that case is um, basically do a proposal or a pitch deck. So, you know, maybe we'll mock up a couple of logos. Maybe we'll use the influencer's current logo and, and mock it up, throw it on some hats, some t-shirts, some hoodies. Um, and in the meantime, we'll send over some samples, so you can feel some t- shirts, feel some hoodies, feel some hats um different you know you'd be surprised you you know it's pretty you know people come to us and say hey i I wanna get my logo on a hat. Well, what kind of hat do you want six panels? Do you want five panels? Do you want the brim flat? Do you want it curved a little bit? Do you want it curved a little more? Do you wanna you know, there's you want a structured hat, unstructured hat. There's so many different types of apparel, and so mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes into it as far as consulting. And when people like the case that you just described now come to us, um, part of it is also just making a recommendation for for them. So it's it's a very deep knowledge of this industry and understanding and basically connecting what the client wants and and is looking for and what we know and be able to offer i guess solutions so we would offer different types of garments that we see fit we would kind of mock up the design we would work with the influencer to create new designs if they need a web store we'll help them set up a website we primarily work on shopify it's just the cleanest and the easiest uh for us to run our operations and then you know once a design is agreed upon once a garment is agreed upon there's different ways that we can kind of go into the operations. One way is we can pre-make a bunch of, you know, apparel, keep it at a warehouse and fulfill it while, you know, as the customers order, or we can do print on demand, completely print to order. So, you know, this influencer is not sitting on any inventory. It's no risk. Um, once someone orders something, it's manufactured and shipped out. There's pros and cons to each method, obviously. And we go yeah, into yeah. deep discussion with everyone we work with on that. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the operations is basically left to us. So the influencer could just, you know, market their merch as little or as much as they want. And the rest of of the um, of the operations is kind of left to to our team to handle. So all the production, all the fulfillment, customer service, um Yeah.
0: Even customer service. Okay. That's great. And uh, let's say I'm not good with design and my team. Can you help me with design as well? Maybe I have a logo that I made in five minutes, but is it something that you can help uh, me with as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's kind of where our network is beneficial to our clients. I mean, we've got our main designer, who's my founder, -founder co-founder and partner. His name is Hunter. He has, you know, just about 11 years of experience, maybe 10 years of experience in uh, topography, illustration. Um, So, you know, letters, he's made his own custom fonts before. I mean, our logo, the Disco logo is a completely custom font that he developed. Um, So where that kind of. I I mean, he just has like a a great eye to fonts. He can take a logo or a picture and tie a font together with it. And it'll look like amazing. It'll look like a professional brand logo, even though it's literally just a picture and a font put together. So he has a really, really great eye for that. Um, I mean, we have a huge network of designers, people who do pop art, like graffiti style pop art. We have people who do custom sports logos. So we really find a designer who's right for you and your type of business, your brand essentially, because I mean, branding is at the forefront of this. Branding is the most important part, 100% to, you know, launching your own anything really. And, and that's kind of, so yeah, I guess the, that was the long answer to your question, but the short answer is yes, absolutely. We do the, you know, we can help with, with the design from A to Z Mm -hmm. as little as you want, or, or as much as you want.
0: And my next question. So let's say if we work together uh, as, a, as your influencer uh, client, then uh, how, how do you price the service? So you ask for a share or a fixed price? How does it usually look like?
1: Very, very custom depending on, and I know that this is, you know, never the answer anyone wants to hear, but it really, really depends on what you're doing. So if you're just coming to us for design services, you're just going to get charged for the design, obviously. Um, we have two pricing structures for designing. So one is per hour. So if you're just like, Hey, here's an idea I have, here's my budget, do something, do anything. Um, we'll create a proposal and then we'll get to work. And and it's usually we work up to the budget in, in terms of, you know, hourly pay um, and mock up and, and meet your needs. But if it's like, Hey, I just need this design tweaked a little bit or, here's my vision, here's a sketch of it, make this, put this on a t-shirt. Um, you know, something like that will be a flat, flat rate depending on wh- what the artwork looks like. So, you know, I, I'm just saying the word depending on a lot because it really depends. Um, but we don't hold, you know, stock or equity in the brands that we work with. It's more of, you know, the brands are paying for, the fulfillment as a service they're paying for the merch um you know so per unit for the merch and our i guess margin is just marked up into into those fees
0: yeah 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 makes sense and this also suggests that uh, you are quite flexible with clients right so you are someone who is easy to negotiate with like if they want to make it uh as you said, hourly rate uh, based or, or fixed price, or they want to add design work as well, or they want to remove it uh, and other things, then you are quite flexible on these terms, right? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, so we're, we're kind of like a boutique business. I, I really like to, as much as I would love to open my doors to everyone and be able to service everyone, we're pretty selective with the clients that we work with. Yeah. We have a, we, we started with a really big portfolio of clients. We kind of, cast the net out wide to see what kind of fish we could catch and you know we, we caught the huge sharks who are these huge entertainment media companies social media pages uh nft collections things like that and then you have the little guys the little you know sal's right. auto body shop from down the road who just needs 20 uniforms for their team things like that and so yeah. we, we kind of found what type of client works for us which is the big sharks and um, you can only take on so many big sharks at once. Right. So uh, we kind yeah. of closed off our client base. You know, we have about, we have a portfolio of, I think it's about 15 clients right now. And some of them are in and out quickly because they just need one little you know service. Yeah. So yeah, we yeah. usually keep around 15 ish clients at once. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult to manage anything more than that, but um, looking to open up our doors and, and take on some more clients, some more, you know, real true A to Z clients, you know, clients who come to us with nothing and leave with, you know, a huge opportunity to to kind of take and, and yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. And uh, so one thing that you don't really do is, is, is marketing, right, and building the brand itself. You focus more no. on the product, the operations. However, and you know, my agency, we do other things, we do marketing, a part of marketing, but I'm sure you also face with those potential clients who want you to do something that you cannot. Even if you tell them you cannot, they just—I don't know—they still want you to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, my example: so we do mostly retention marketing, which is uh, great for businesses who already have uh, subscribers, customers, and they want to have a higher profit margin, more returning customers. But this is not the best service for new businesses, startups who just want to have their first customers. And I'm wondering if you also have these requests. Uh, Let's say I'm the influencer and please build the product, uh, build the fulfillment, the customer support, but also promote it on YouTube and uh, Facebook, whatever.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We get that a lot. It's, um, you know, I understand it from one extent you know, from one side, it's, it's a little frustrating. It can get frustrating though, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur to, to be able to, you know, to have to keep turning people down and and saying no, you know, I hate saying no. And one of the things that we built disco on disco, the name of the business, we, we built this business. One of the kind of, I guess pillars that we built the business on was never saying no, always saying yes and finding a way to get it done. You know, that might come with a larger price tag, obviously, but, you know, we do get people who come to us and say like, Hey, and, and it's a little tough to, I guess, not, maybe not tough to understand, but huge brands. I mean, these people are developed. Like if I say the name, you'll know them. And, and, you know, we don't even live in the same country. Right. But these are United States companies who are, I mean, they're big and they, they come to us and say, Hey, can you make us free merchandise? for a year so we can see if this is the right fit and I mean no we, we can't uh, and then we get so that's kind of like one side of it and then the other side is people come to us and say hey if I do everything with you so if I do step A to step Z you know website development design manufacturing fulfillment customer service everything if I do your whole package if I use your team completely as my merch team will you guys also do you know, like tax services. Um, We've had tax services asked, we've had, you know, complete marketing services. So customer retention and all that stuff. Will you guys build plugins for our store? And I mean, that's just not a service we offer. It's not my expertise. You know, if, if it was, I would love to do it. Right. I'm kind of, I love to do it all and see it all and learn it all, but it's just not something that we offer. So it's that, you know, we definitely get a lot of crazy requests thrown at us and, a lot of them we do say yes to, for example, those pinball machines, but um, yeah, there's, there's just some things that, you know, kind of push us beyond our limits operationally.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. So I'm wondering what was the biggest challenge for you as a business builder um, in this business, especially the networking part, building the network, you found it harder or building out the operations, your operations?
1: Yeah, I you know to be honest with you, I'm a very um, kind of outgoing individual. So building the network, making those connections, getting people on the phone, even if they don't want to, you know, that's kind of my expertise. I, I mm-hmm. you know, I I wouldn't say that the network building or the operations was really you know tough for us. Um, I would say like the two parts that we that we definitely you know, struggled in when building the business all the way from, you know, when I was 15, 16, 17, launching that clothing brand was one automation. So taking the simple tasks, like following up on, you know, clients, emails, um, abandoned cart checkouts, things like that. And, and you know, all of that was, was very hands-on because we didn't have the capital to automate these things. We didn't have the capital to use tools and, and marketing yeah. uh, agencies for that type of stuff. So I would say, I guess in, in summary, it's, it's turning leads into customers. It was very, very hard for me when I was 16, 17 to understand why we have 10,000 followers on Instagram, but why are only 50 people buying our shirts? you know, I'm sitting on an inventory of, you know, let's say 200, 300 t-shirts. I only sold 50 and, and I'm begging people, please buy it. I'm putting it on 50%, 60% off on sale and, and I just can't sell it. And that was, I guess the biggest, um, also, you know, the biggest thing that, that really made me feel unmotivated to, to continue is, you know, I produced 200 units. I only sold 50, now I'm sitting on 150 t-shirts that nobody wants anymore. Um, and it's not that nobody wants them. It's, it's that our marketing wasn't working. Our uh, conversion pipeline wasn't working. Our automations weren't working. And so that, that definitely stunted our growth.
0: Yeah. I could talk about this topic for hours, obviously, yeah. because my team and I, we, we've done email marketing for, for a long time and uh abandon cart and automations all of those that you mentioned those can be automated and now nowadays there are very affordable tools that we can use for mm-hmm. these and uh yeah i think that's just one uh you know uh great thing with technology nowadays and also it's very affordable so yeah, yeah.
1: but it's it's day and night i mean w- even the language that you use that's why it's important to work with an agency like you guys i mean even the language that you use in your emails or, or text messages or, or whatever you use for customer retention. I mean, you, you just, it's day and night. I mean, a couple of words different or yeah, maybe yeah. not including the link or maybe not including the customer's name. There's, there's such little nuances that are so important to customer retention. So it's just something that I never believed in when I was younger. And now I'm kind of looking back and I'm, I'm like, you know, punching myself in the arm that, that I didn't focus on that when I was uh, in that e-commerce space.
0: Yeah, and I think these these things are not that easy. You know, you need years of practice to do it well. And uh, I remember when I started out with marketing, I read a few books on marketing and, and blogs and, you know, videos. They told me you should use social proof, you should use uh, urgency. And logically, you know these things, but you you actually don't implement them or you don't know how to do it. Yeah, and uh, exactly. you, need, you need some time to really internalize those things. So, yeah, it completely makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. My next question. So what are your favorite tools, software tools nowadays when it comes to e-commerce and your work? yeah,
1: good question. Um, we don't use we don't really recommend a lot of different plugins and things like that because every customer is different. every customer has a different need. Um, for us internally, I, I use a lot of tools for for automation and you know developing our internal operations at disco. So, you know because we have such a huge network of suppliers and manufacturers and 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 things like that on our back end where we produce our merchandise and fulfill our merchandise it's really really important to um, have a very streamlined and very I guess thorough uh, operation kind of portal to be able to come in and see where a clients status of their order is so we use a couple of you know 3pL like third-party like logistics programs, but you know, actually, I've I've picked up a little bit of uh, Excel VBA. Um, it's basically VBA is basically like the programming language in Excel uh, mm-hmm. for all the Microsoft suite products. Um, kind of integrating that with Python, and what's really really special about that is you could build anything you want. I mean, VBA is so complex, really. When when you when you try to take it all in. So one of the things that we built was a pricing calculator. So, you know, it's a completely in-house proprietary tool. It's something only for disco, but it's connected to every single price sheet that I have from every single manufacturer, wholesale garment supplier, all the way down to the shipping and taxes, everything. So I can plug in, you know, if a customer says to me in a meeting in person, if I'm in person with a, with a client, you know, two years ago, I had to go home and, calculate all of that on pen and paper and figure out how much I'm going to charge this customer to make myself a profit. How much is it going to cost me? And then it would take me three, four days to respond. And now on the spot with a client in person, I can say, Hey, this is what you want. These are the services you want. Plug, plug, play, and I have a price for them. I know how much I'm going to make on this as a business. So I know how much kind of also wiggle room I have. I know how much I can kind of, you know, mark my price down to help this customer. And I also know what my, what my, um, you know, error margin is. So obviously we make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes, right? We're all humans. So, you know, if we misprint a hundred t-shirts or something, I can afford that still. And and all that's included in the calculation. So it's, it's a very, very cool tool. I would say that definitely the things that we've built ourselves are what are the most customizable and, and the most usable quote unquote.
0: So you can give them a price on the call or maybe you meet them live. I don't know, but you can do it on the very first meeting or or during the meeting. Yeah.
1: And I'm sure that these types of like pricing softwares and systems exist where you can kind of plug and play and build pricing. Mm. Um, You know, honestly it's just, it was a passion project for me. So it's just something that I built out myself and something that, You know, is so cool because I can edit it at any moment. If pricing changes from one of my fulfillment uh, clients or one of my sorry fulfillment suppliers or whatever it is, I could just change their numbers and the whole calculator will update. It's it's very cool. It's very you know unique to us and I think unique across the industry. I don't know a lot of of our competitors building out proprietary technology like that.
0: Yeah, I think that's huge. And uh, if anyone who is listening uh, to us now and you have an agency or you are a service provider, not an e-commerce company, I think it's a huge thing to be able to give them a price during the conversation. And uh, I remember when I started out, I needed two calls exactly because of this. Because uh, in the first call, I asked questions. And then in the second call, I showed them my offer and the price. And it was a huge moment when... I came up with a calculator in Excel and after a while, I could share it with my team. They could use it. And after a while, they even learned how it works and what's the logic behind it. And they just started giving custom prices. And uh, I didn't even know about it, I remember. And the profit even increased. So they did a great Mm -hmm. job on this. And the calculator is is huge, especially if you have a salesperson. Or, or a bigger team and they understand it, that's a huge thing.
1: Yeah. And, especially after yeah. COVID, I mean, clients are looking for the quickest response. Everyone's home now, you know, so so mm-hmm. if you can get someone on the phone right now and say, hey, how much is it going to cost me to install custom blinds or, or a custom door yeah. or something, if you can get a price on the phone with a timeline, if you can get you know that reassurance that it's going to be done the right way, if you can get that all the quicker, you can get it all essentially for the customer. The more they value that, and so you know, if you say, "Hey, let me get back to you in two days with the pricing and with the the guidelines," or you know, "Hey, I'll follow up with an email later," they're going to call the next person. They're going to get that pricing. They're going to get that timeline, and they're just going to go with the next person. It's it's especially changed, and I've seen this change. I mean, snap of a fingers when COVID happened and everyone was at home. The quicker you can respond, the quicker you're going to close a client, and that's kind of where that whole automation thing comes in, you know, the the more hands-off you can be with following up with a client, even if a client emails you and says, hey, how much is this going to cost? Even if you can't respond with a price, but can respond with a full detailed, you know, outline of what your business does, completely automated, you know, the better it is for for you.
0: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And it's interesting that you also mentioned COVID. That's something I haven't, about it but yeah i think you're right i have one more question so what would be your number one advice to influencers who have a following and they want to monetize their audience what would you tell them
1: yeah i think the most important part that i see across the board no matter what industry you're in no matter what you do is consistency just being consistent um it, it doesn't i don't necessarily mean that you need to pick one day and upload videos that one day or upload pictures that one day, although yes, that's important. Um, consistency, meaning, I guess, uploading your, you know, your content, if, if you're making content, uploading your content consistently. So even if it's not necessarily on the same day, which is a good practice to get into, but um, being consistent with your messaging, with your branding. So across all your platforms um, being consistent in I guess the content or the products that you're delivering is very important so it's just I would say consistency is is key I think that um, one thing that I, that I kind of I, I everyone understands consistency meaning I guess producing content on a regular basis but The part that I want to stress is your consistency between your platforms. So if you have a Twitter account and maybe you're a streamer and you have a Twitch account and you also have an Instagram account, it's so important to be consistent on those three platforms on, you know, so uh, if you're on Twitch and you only produce one type of content on Twitch, you know, keep producing that type of content and differentiate, be different on Instagram, but you have to promote the two. They have to be interdependent 100%. Um, be consistent in your branding. So if you have, you know, headers and logos, be consistent with that, consistent with your names. Um, it's, it's a lot of, so I I would say that there's, there's this, uh, idea called Disneyfication. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um, it's essentially when, when Disney started and I don't know the exact order, but when Disney started, they were, they started with Mickey mouse, I believe. So they started with a drawing of the cat, uh, the character. And then they launched the movies to support the character. Then they launched the, I don't know, let's say games to support the character. Then they launched other other movies. Yeah, exactly. So other movies to support Mickey Mouse. And they all were interdependent. They all support each other. Then the parks. Then you've got the production companies doing movies. And they're all interdependent. You know it all as one kind of empire. And I, I would say that that's really important. That falls under that idea of consistency for for influencers who have multiple accounts on multiple different platforms is find a way for them to be interconnected, find a way for them to support each other, maybe launch a clothing brand on the side, but you know, it's got to play a part. It's got to be in that. I don't know if you guys are familiar, the listeners with, um, the Nelk boys, they, they're a perfect example of this. Uh, they have the YouTube channel where they started off doing pranks. Then they launched, you know, they were so, I guess, um, you know they're they're part of that party culture part of that party life they're going out and drinking all the time so what did they do they started a, a a beverage company alcoholic beverage company called happy dad the two i mean they're they're completely interdependent one of the businesses would not be able to survive without the other um then they launched full send the clothing brand and that supports nelk which also supports happy Dad. so it's this kind of disneyfication in launching multiple businesses or multiple platforms and they're all supporting each other so i guess in in short consistency
0: yeah 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 that's great and disneyfication i never heard this but i really like it and it all makes sense yeah yeah so thanks uh russ uh, for sharing your story today and thanks everyone who watched us uh, today the live stream or we listen to the podcast in the upcoming months and uh, stay tuned because every week we come out with a new episode In most episodes, we invite e-commerce business owners, but sometimes we also invite agency owners and uh, companies who can help with fulfillment operations, just like Russ's uh, company, Disco. I will put the link of uh, his company into the description so anyone can uh, reach out to him. And uh, finally, I also put a link into the description with a 50-point checklist. Check it out, you can use it to audit your own e-commerce email marketing. And uh, thanks, Russ, again, and thanks, everyone. Stay tuned.
1: Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Daniel. I appreciate you having me on.